praise God. Father, uh, I thank you for Dan. I <laughs> uh, thank you for his uh, his friendship, God, in my life, and I, I thank you for his heart for you, Lord, uh, for his desire to to teach your people, and for his gift in teaching your people. And so tonight, I ask that you would um, rend our hearts open to the word that you would would give um, as he shares uh, his life, God, his life with you, um, and of and of the the depths of the Holy Spirit inside of him that our hearts would be open and, and move to um, to know you more God and just to see how how mighty you are um, how good of a job you've done in your saving work in Jesus Christ God and that you would uh, yeah just rend us open Lord and thank you God amen I'm going to move. All right. I don't know if you guys feel it, but God's up to something tonight. And and I feel like we're on the cusp of, of something. It's important that we don't miss it. It's important that we don't get distracted. And it's important that we make ourselves available to have an ear to hear what the Lord is speaking. So, Father, I ask that you um, speak what you want to through me. Father God, and you give us all an ear to hear. Father God, change us, transform us, speak to us. Amen. How many, how many of you guys sometimes, um, when, you, when you've been here and you've been other other ministries, you see, like, the leadership, you see the people speaking and, and, and leading worship and um, even the people giving announcements or the people, you know, worshiping with passion and you feel intimidated or like how can i possibly ever be like that or you feel like they're so far ahead of where you know you you feel like you are with the lord um or you are in your heart in in worship and passion and in knowledge and wisdom does anyone ever feel that way good good um and not like good. It's not like a necessarily a good thing, um, but but it's it's good to to respect and, and honor. So I want to talk about that. But um, one thing that we're gonna try and do here um, about once every month or so is have someone on leadership come up and share um, testimony, um, because I, I truly believe that, um, and and we're gonna talk about this today. But that true leadership only comes through weakness and vulnerability. And and that the the lack of of our of our own um, growth in the Lord, what what hinders our growth in the Lord and our maturity in faith is actually our unwillingness to be vulnerable, and our unwillingness to allow God to deal with the things that He wants to deal with. And so the people that you see who who have wisdom and have passion and and have this heart for the Lord are actually those who are the most weak. And but it, but it's manifesting in strength because there's a trust, there's a faith because God has done something um, in their lives. Um, so once a month, there's going to be um, a leader come up and share a testimony, share something that God has done in our lives, so that we can share in in circumstances, we can share in what God is is going through, so we can help each other and encourage one another um, to experience victory in similar areas in our own lives. Um, so, so that's what we're kicking off tonight, um, and that will continue about once a month.
Um, so I'm going to start um, with my testimony. Then I'm going to teach a little bit. And I'm going to preach a little bit. And then we'll all respond. Sound good? All right. Um, so I was, um, I grew up in the church. Uh, my dad um, is a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. Um, a very ministerial uh, family um, and very strong Christian family. And so I grew up in the church and uh, loved it. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Felt like a, a big family. Um, and so, I, you know, I did everything. I was, you know, youth group, Bible camps, um, you know, leadership retreats, all sorts of things. Um, but even amidst all of that, um, and, 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 I, and I claimed faith, and, and whether or not I actually had faith into salvation, I don't really know. It doesn't really matter um, at this point. But um, I had also a great self-confidence. Um, a, a great self-confidence. The Lord has given me many gifts in life, many natural worldly gifts. Um, and although those seems very prized in life, it actually can be a very big burden. Um, and, and there have been times in my life where I've, where I've wished that I wasn't so gifted because it would make it easier for me to trust. Um, but um, from, from early on, it's, it's always been easy for me academically, um, with athletics, music, um, friends, um, and so even though I, I grew up in the church with this, you know, solid foundation, I never really knew what it meant um, to, to trust God, to have this abiding need of trusting God because I was like, oh, I got it. So when I would go through life circumstances or when I'd go through things, you know, I just felt like, oh, no, I can do that. Um, that that's me. Although really my perceived notion that I had self-control was actually a lie. Um, and I and I struggled. I mean, I was in in sin, you know, from an early age, and and I. But I learned to to self regulate and to create a religious um, practice. And and I did have some heart too. But I, I I very much it was very easy for me to create a preconceived notion of I had wisdom, I had knowledge, I had the right answer, um, and and everyone would see me as this great Christian guy, you know, pastor's kid, you know, who always did the right thing. Um, but that wasn't, wasn't really the case and that bore fruit in my life. Um, it wasn't until after my sophomore year of college, um, that, um, I really began to learn what it means to depend on the Lord. And, um, and I would warn and suggest everyone to do this, but at the beginning of the summer, I, I was working at a Bible camp, great community, great fellowship. Um, you know, I, I'd had a lot of different opportunities in life to, to share, um, you know, different sin struggles and different things. And I, and I would, but I would still regulate it. I wouldn't share everything. Or I would share a little bit as long as I was comfortable with this amount, but I would always hold back. I would always try to keep some sort of face on to, to allow people to see me in the way that I wanted to see me. I cared more about how other people saw me than God saw me. I cared more about how I looked than how I was. Um, and, I, and I did not, I did not, want to be weak, and I did not want to be vulnerable. Unless people saw vulnerability as a strength, then I would be a little vulnerable just so that they'd see me as strong. But it was all about self-regulation. Um, and so it was the, the beginning of the summer, and uh, at that time I'd been in a uh, four-year relationship, and that was, um, at that point, uh, shaky. And, um, and that 
um, relationship for me too was also part of my all about my self-confidence and my control, but it, it wasn't healthy. Um, and, and it started to, to, to go. It started to, I, I realized that um, it was about to end. And I, and I was able to come before the Lord and, and for the very, well, first, this is what I was going to say. I was talking with brothers and I realized that I'd never actually felt broken before. I'd never experienced just a sh- what, what it felt like to be so exposed, so vulnerable, so n- in need of God and so we prayed for it. <laughs> and, I, and I had my brothers, probably because I felt like it was the, right, like the religious thing to do. And, and, you know, I was like, yeah, let's pray for brokenness. That sounds like a great idea. Um, and, and God chose to answer that one. Um, and, and so at the beginning, of, at the, in the middle of the summer, it did it. it, it I, I became so broken um, and it was more than than losing a relationship. It was it was losing my sense of self control. It was losing my my complete my ability and and even my desire to care what anybody else thought. And so for quite a long time, I was an absolute mess. And and I was was at a point where I didn't care what people thought or what people saw. And I was honest and I was vulnerable and I was a beautiful broken mess. And I started to learn, and it was the first time in my life that I was, was at a point where I was able to trust God and in that trust start to experience the fruit of what trusting God actually meant. Because there's something that really cool that happens when we trust in God, his strength becomes our strength. Um, and so I started, God started giving me a confidence, um, started to redeem the faith that I had and the confidence I had in myself and started to transform it to make a faith and a confidence in him. And that started to have tangible effects in the way that I lived my life. And I started to, to desire and experience the Holy Spirit and empowerment and, and stepping out in, in bold ways um, with the Lord, um, but living with my heart on my sleeve um, and, and, if, and, and just learning about you know, how beautiful it is that in God's love and in God's forgiveness, we have the freedom to be vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, God comes in and he transforms and he speaks truth in our life. And instead of creating a facade of, of purity, of steadfastness, of maturity, of passion, he actually instills it in us. And that's so much better. So much better. Second Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul understood this very well. Verse 10. Second Corinthians 12, verse 10. It says, Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. He doesn't say, when I'm weak, then God is strong. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Interestingly, in in 1 Corinthians, he exhorts them to remember where they came from, that not all of them were wise when they were called, were strong, when they were called now 
albeit they had lots of issues, and, and God was working them through there. The thing was that in the, in the weakness, in the vulnerability, in the laying down, came about radical transformation so that it was not the weakness manifesting anymore. I feel like in some ways in our lives and in the, in the church, we've created this boasting in our weakness that doesn't bring any transformation. And so we glory, we glorify the struggle, whether it's a sin struggle or anxiety, which is a sin struggle, but anxiety and worry and, um, and all of these things. We glorify that and we say, I'm boasting in my weakness, and then there's no transformation. And, and that's because that, that, that vulnerability is more complaining and it's not partnered with faith. It says in, in Hebrews 4, it says, it's talking about God's rest and that his very great promises, the good news was preached to us, but we can fail to enter it if it's not partnered with faith. With those who believe it, it's not partnered with faith. So Paul understood this. He understood that in the vulnerability, in the laying down, was actually rest, was actually empowerment, was actually strength. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. This is a common, well-known passage. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and and to work for his good pleasure. Now it's fascinating. In the first verse, in verse 12, work out your salvation is the Greek word katergatsomai, which means to narrow down or to come to a conclusion of, in verse 13, the Greek word is energio, and it means the actual process, point by point, moving from point by point, the, the, our salvation. So another translation could be narrow down, come to a conclusion of your salvation with a fear and tr- with fear and trembling. The Amplified Version says, with fear and a trembling self-distrust. Why? Because we realize it had nothing to do with us. We come to a realization that what God did, what Jesus did in and through us, was not by works so that no one can boast, but is a gift of God. And then Paul says, so him who boasts boast in the Lord, right? So we realize that this salvation, where God has placed me, had nothing to do with me, for it is God that works it in and through you, brings it from one stage to another, both to will, he gives us the desire to do, and the ability to carry out his good pleasure. Paul understood this. In the revelation that it is not me, I allow God to start identifying me. And when I, when I make that allowance, I am totally okay with admitting a struggle, with, with saying, yep, I'm struggling with the sin, yep, I, I don't believe this, I'm, I'm lacking faith. You know, over here, we're, we're perfectly okay with it because it doesn't identify us anymore. It's not our job to regulate our spirituality or our walk with the Lord anymore. We, we lay down, we become vulnerable and allow God to come in and identify it for us. Amen? But we will always limit God's work in us if we take the reins, if we take control of our spiritual growth, of our maturity, if we're always trying to self-regulate to, to make a facade of, no, you know, I'm this you know, good 
Christian and, and, and I am this solid, passionate worshiper. Look, I, I raise my hands on the slow songs and I sway during the fast songs. And, and, I, and I'm really, really, really good at worshiping when there's other people around. I don't do it at all when I'm by myself. You know, the, the, the true you know, fruit that we see isn't when we're around a lot of people who are exhorting us. We need that exhortation. We need that encouragement. But it's truly shown when what is our heart saying when we're on our own, when we're all by ourselves in the secret place, what's going on in our heart, what's going on. That's what we can be vulnerable. And we have a freedom to be vulnerable because Christ was vulnerable first. He died. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. This is again, Paul just, he gets this. It's brought him into so much freedom, this revelation. For I have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He claims to know nothing but him and him crucified. Why? Why is that so essential? We're coming right off Easter. Why is, is knowing nothing but Christ and Christ crucified so essential? Galatians 2.20. For it is no longer I who live, but Christ who is in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live for the, for the glory of God. He, he realized, did you know that you died? That you died with Jesus? You know, we hear Paul up here always, always saying, you know, Romans 6.11, he says, consider yourself dead to sin. And alive to Christ Jesus. Why? Why should I consider myself that? Because you are. You did die. Everyone who believes in Christ has crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 6, shall we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. How can you who died to sin still live in it? How can you who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have also been baptized into his death? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Yeah, we did that one. And you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of flesh. Colossians 2 says that it's been taken away. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We can allow ourselves to be identified by God, but it, it's done through surrender. But the only way to fully surrender and be vulnerable is to know that we're forgiven and to know that we're loved. And, to, and true vulnerability is actually a fruit of understanding forgiveness, of knowing you're forgiven, allows you just to release and to let go of all self-identification and striving and straining to be, to be seen as spiritual and, and spouting out wise words just so so people look at us and be like, wow, isn't he wise? You know, or to, to we, we do it all the time. I do it all the time. I'm guilty of it. I can't say anything that God hasn't or isn't working, working in and through me. But I, I, I truly believe that if we can create a culture of vulnerability amidst ourselves and amidst here, that the sky's the limit. 
because vulnerability partnered with faith will bring about such a radical transformation because we're not going to be willing to compromise anymore. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. He identifies. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for 10 years and you don't feel like you should be dealing with the thing that you're dealing with. Or it doesn't matter if you're, you're brand new and you feel like you don't know any scripture. Who cares? It is what it is. Now let's come before the Lord. Let's come before each other, be honest and vulnerable, and say, yeah, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. God, come and show up. It does us no good. It does you no good to fake it. It's, it's preventing us from experiencing the fullness of God individually and, and in our community. The, God, God didn't, Jesus didn't die so that we could live in mediocrity. You know, he, he would rebuke, he would rebuke, you know, the Pharisees and, and talk about them as, you know, the stained, stained glasses. It doesn't matter if it looks good on the outside. What's on the inside? You know, that's, that's what matters. But when we're actually vulnerable and we come before the Lord, you know what he tells us? I cleaned you up. You know what he actually does? He starts speaking truth into our lives and it takes, it takes all the pain away. The, the dumbest thing we can do is when we struggle to run away from God. That reveals in our minds such a wrong way of thinking. It shows that we don't understand the heart of Jesus at all. If I sin and I run away, no, he's like, you mess up. You better get up and run run to me. He's like, I'm not rejecting you. I'm not rejecting you. I, he even went into the garden after Adam and, Adam and Eve. You know, it was it, they, they were the ones that didn't know where they were. God knew exactly where they were, and he wanted to go chill with them. And they were all sorts of freaked out because they felt so ashamed. But God dealt with that. Jesus dealt with that. On the cross, he took away, he scorned the shame. He became the most vulnerable person in the world, put on the tree, died for all of our sins, took all our shame, and he wants, he wants us to give back what he's already paid for. He, he, he doesn't want us to, to deal with us. He doesn't want us to compromise. He doesn't want us to live in some ambiguous lifestyle of, of Christianity where, where, well, people think that I'm doing good, so that's good enough for me. We don't, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. We, we, we have such a unique community here where we don't need to fake it. Every, all these people in the room look at us and exhort one another to the Lord. Yes, we want fullness. We want passion. We want, we want everything. And, and yet, we all understand, and again, like I'm saying, you see leaders who are manifesting strength. It's only because they've gone through through weakness and vulnerability. And, and God's, God's worked in them and moved in them and given a trust in what God has. And you're not doing any good not being vulnerable. I feel like some people have been desiring to, to hear God's voice and to be like, God, what do you want for me in life? What do you want me to, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to marry? Do you want me to get married? And, and God is, is asking you to be vulnerable, vulnerable about something. And because you're ignoring him, you're hearing him just fine. You know, you're his child. Of course you're hearing him. And, and, but God is so much more concerned about 
about what we understand, who we understand we are, than what we're doing. Because as we understand who we are, the doing's going to be just so easy. It's going to be natural. We're just going to walk in it. We're just going to walk in, in the goodness of God. We're going to walk in the works that he's prepared for us. But, you know, so much of we like, oh, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go there. Well, you can because God took it away. There's, there's nothing but grace and forgiveness and mercy and transformation awaiting for those. Humble yourselves and you will be exalted. Humble yourselves and you will be exalted. He has changed us. He has transformed us. We are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. It gives us freedom not to ignore the crap, but to actually be like, oh, yeah, I don't even need to deal with this anymore. Hey, look, I can share this. I can share this. If we're not willing, and obviously not with everybody, it's not helpful to share our deepest, darkest stuff with everybody. It's just not healthy. You know, that's just begging for attention for our, you know, and feeling bad for ourselves if we're telling everybody how poor we are. But if we're not willing to talk about the worst stuff in our life, probably not free from it. It says, confess your sins one to another and you'll be healed. That if you're not willing to be open with other people, you're probably, you're probably not actually experiencing the freedom that God wants you to. And, and maybe, you, maybe you know what God has been calling you to be vulnerable with, to be open with it, and it's so, you're so afraid. But what will people think? What will people do? What, they, they'll think so poorly of me. No, true vulnerability is the greatest, most courageous, most mature thing you can possibly do. It is a fruit of faith. It is a fruit of salvation. That, again, true maturity is the vulnerability. It's not, it's not not vulnerability. It's not not, you know, it's, it's being open. It's being exposed. And it's only in the exposure that you can actually be brought to, to a place with the Lord of, of vulnerability. And so the, the only difference between, and it, it's, it's so good that people are at different places in spiritual maturity, isn't it? Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to learn from each other. We wouldn't be able to grow. Um, we wouldn't be able to have anyone to, to imitate or to, to understand or to teach us. Again, we didn't get where we are. We didn't get the wisdom we got. We didn't get the salvation. You know, it, it even says that, um, you know, like healing, the power of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's not by works. You know, Paul rebuked the Galatians for, you know, having been, been saved by, by grace, trying to be perfected in the flesh. He rebuked them. He's like, that's the most silly thing ever. He's like, Christ has become our salvation, our redemption, and our sanctification, and our salvation. Christ has become, as we grow in our understanding of, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live to the glory of God. And then it says, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ in that way. So when we come before each other and we're vulnerable, hey, that's actually a fruit of how you know holy and how claimed God has already made you. So we get to speak identity over each other, and then we get to experience a victory that was already paid for 2,000 years ago. But we want to experience it. I don't want to compromise. I've, I, I, I still feel like I've, I've compromised in, in my life, and I, and I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to be semi-in you know, in love with God. I don't, I don't want to be you know, six days a week, even though I'm not that. 
I, I don't I don't want that. I want everything. I want all of God. Everything I've gained, I now consider lost for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that comes through surrender. And I know that there's people here who have things that God is asking them to be vulnerable about. And I believe fully that in the laying down, the Holy Spirit is going to come and bring love and grace and, and fulfillment in you. And he's going to transform that. And he's going to just bring about just this love and this trust in God that you've never experienced before. You've never experienced before. And God wants to do that tonight. God wants to do that tonight. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we ask people, oh, raise your hand if you're going through this. And, you know, stand up if you're going through that. Through that. Why? Well, because it's so important to testify before people, to be honest, because we can't really be honest with ourselves unless we're willing to be honest in front of other people. And when we're honest in front of other people who love the Lord and understand, you know, that, that God is our trust and, and, and that in bringing things into to the light, everything is made new, it's actually, you, you actually look super strong <laughs> and mature. To, that, that weakness, that vulnerability is the most beautiful thing that we can possibly do. I'm going to read one more passage, and then we're going to respond. It's not... God didn't pay for us to continually struggle. He didn't pay for us to struggle with anxiety. We can say, no, God, take it away. Let's, let's, let's release. Let's, let's be ready. Now, maybe God's been speaking to you something already um, that, that he's been asking you just to be vulnerable about. Like, for real, vulnerable. Not like you turn to your neighbor and you're like, yeah, kind of do this. It's serious. There's nothing more important than God and him being in our lives. Like, why do we beat around the bush when it comes to, to transformation and, and being serious about, like, anything? Like, we just it's serious it's it's everything it's life itself it's abundant life it's the fullness the glory the manifestation of god in the earth and we get to bear his likeness but if we're not if we're not looking like him then who wants him and if we don't want him then who else you know who else is going to want him when we when we look at him um you know it talks about god being the refining fire in in our lives and and when goldsmiths will will look at they're refining gold, you know, back in the day, and they, they heat it up. And gold is so dense, it sinks to the bottoms, and impurities rise up, and they get to whisk it away. And do you know what would determine when the gold was ready? <laughs> when they'd look in and see his reflection. So when God looks down, he wants to see his reflection. Second Corinthians 3, we're being transformed into the image of God from glory to glory to ever-increasing glory. With faces unveiled as in a mirror, right? So we look at God. And then other people, they get to see my face and see your face. And they're like, it's beaming. Whatever he's looking at has a whole lot of glory on it. Has a whole lot of glory and has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our silly self-regulation and caring about what other people think about us and trying to maintain some sort of uh, control in our life. It's trash. It's garbage. And we... Get rid of it. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Well, if we stop there, then I suppose we should all be manifesting a whole lot of weakness and a whole lot of anxiety and a whole lot of sin struggle and a whole lot of temptation all the time and fear and worry and gossip. But it doesn't stop there. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And God is going to manifest in us and he's going to just the the fire of God and the light of God is going to be visible. And it's going to be visible on in in here at Communitas. It's going to be visible in Roseville and Minneapolis on your college campus. And and we want to burn in where we are. We don't want to compromise anymore. I'm sick of compromise. I want to see healings happening here all the time. All the time. All the time. So if you feel like you've been been compromising, you've been putting on some sort of face. I don't even care, you know, you know how much of a of a, of a facade you've put on. Um, but if you feel like that's been you, like you've been trying to self-regulate, you've been putting on a face of spiritual maturity, and you want to become real before the Lord and real before the people, so that God can actually bring you up and take you out of things. And this, I want to say one, one more thing for you. That this is not a call to be like introspective and like start like trying to work through all sorts of stuff. No, God really did a really good enough job in, in doing this. It's just our, we, we don't quite agree with him. So, so it's not like, oh, I got to think about all the stuff that I'm, you know, thinking wrong and doing wrong. No, God, God's got it. You know, he did it. And so he's speaking to us and he's going to give it. But, you know, in the meantime, we get to live in the glory and the freedom of God for it is freedom that Christ has set us free. But when God brings something to light, our job is to be vulnerable and say, yep, this is what I'm dealing with. And to be honest before God with ourselves, some of us aren't even that honest with ourselves about where we're at, let alone other people. And so we'd be honest and we say, yep, this is where I am. Come Holy Spirit. And it'll be amazing, amazing to see where God takes us, where God takes you. And he's going to start giving us the desire to do and the ability to carry out his good pleasure. So I want you to, to stand up if you are sick of compromise, if you um, you know want to, to come before the Lord and say that you've been putting on a face, that you've been self-regulating, and that you care more about what you look like than what you actually are care more about other people's opinions than God's opinion. Um, and we, we'll have a time of, of ministry, and I implore you, there's no better time. Again, this is serious stuff. Like, God wants to impact us and change us now. It's not something to be like, oh, yeah, well, God will work through me later. No. There's no there's no shame here. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. So we can come before each other. You can turn to your, to your brother or sister, guys with guys, girls with girls. Um, but it is going to be beautiful. And God wants to bring about a powerful transformation tonight because today, now is the day of the Lord's favor. And today is the day of salvation. Heck, if you don't even believe in Jesus, 
Alleluia. Come, come on up and, and you want to, 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 and you just want him and he wants you. And now's the time. There's no shame in being like, oh, I don't know. Or I don't even know what I think. Or I don't even really want to be vulnerable. Or I don't even really want to be, be vulnerable about that. That's really good. That's really good. God loves that. He honors that. We don't need to be all spiritual. Just be real. Be honest. God's going to start doing stuff in us. He's going to start bringing about a passion and desire as our trust is in God. I would just keep going. One more passage, and then we're going to pray. And then we're going to minister, and then we're going to worship, and then God's going to come in, and he's going to transform a lot of things. Jeremiah 17. This is one of my favorite verses. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Just like Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. God wants our circumstances not to dictate us, other people's opinions not to dictate us, but only him, him alone, the Holy Spirit in us, the truth of God, we be vulnerable and we say yes to his promises, to the way that he identifies us. We say yes and we say, do it. Give us faith for it, Lord. So, Father, we come before you now knowing that it is not of us at all. It's all of you. Father, we're, we're, we're sorry for self-regulating. Father, for caring so much what other people think about us, for caring that people hear, see us as good, strong Christians. God, we ask that you come, you allow us, you give us the freedom of knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that you have set us on the rock, that we're more than conquerors, and we have the the freedom to, to expose and the freedom to be vulnerable, to bring into the light, Father God, because you love us. You love us so, so, so much, and we're surrounded by believers who love you and love us, Father God, and want to see the fullness manifested in each and every one of us, God. So we come before you, we say, take away our anxiety, take away our temptation, our sin struggles, Father God. God, we're sorry for not being honest. And uh, give us the courage, the boldness to truly, truly, truly be vulnerable. God, we ask for your brokenness. Ask it if you dare. God, we ask for your brokenness so that we can have trust and a life grounded on you and in you. Christ, thank you for dying for us, for saving us, for taking all our sin, all our shame, all our struggle. All right, we're going to worship. There will be people up here to come pray for you. Again, if God has something on your heart and, and you want prayer, don't wait. Don't look to your neighbor to see what they're going to do. You know, people in the back, 
just because you're in the back, this is just as much for you. The Holy Spirit's just as much back there as he is up here. Can't escape. And so if that's you, either turn to your neighbor, but if you know in your heart that that's not good enough and you're not going to be truthful or it's not really going to be vulnerable, then come up front and be with someone. Um, be before the Lord. Do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Don't come up to look religious. Don't come up because you know that that's what you should do. Come up because God's doing it in your heart.